Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. As we get ready to get into the message, we're going to be talking from the book of Luke tonight. The book of Luke, chapter 15, verse 11 through 31. This may be a story maybe many of you have heard before. Maybe you've heard this a hundred times or maybe you've never heard this story, but Regardless, I truly believe through prayer, I know that God is going to speak to you through this story. It's the story of the prodigal son. And it's, it's really, it's known as the, the parable of the lost son. And really the context of this story is if you read the book of Luke, you find out that Jesus is approached by a bunch of Pharisees and scribes. And they're, they're upset with Jesus because he's spending time with sinners and tax collectors. And they can't believe this man who proclaims to be the Messiah, who proclaims to be a teacher of the Torah and, and of, of, the, of the, claiming to be just a teacher of the Bible, that he would ever spend time with sinners. And then Jesus responds with three stories, and the first being the story of the lost sheep, the second being the story of the lost coin, the lost coin and the third being the story of the lost son. And I feel like this story just hits a little bit deeper I feel like it hits a little bit closer to home, maybe to the, the Pharisees and the scribes, but definitely even still to you and I tonight, because I feel like every single person in this room can relate to the story of the lost son. So we're going to be reading. It's a good bit of scripture, so stick with me. But this is what it says in chapter 15. It says, Jesus said, to illustrate this point further, Jesus, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. About that time, the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and he, he, and And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned, to, he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said, Father, oh, I'm sorry, the son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. He returned home. He heard, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he, w- he was told. 
and your father killed the fattened calf, and we celebrated because he had he, because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. He came out and begged him. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you, and you've never refused to do a single thing you told me, and never refused to do a single thing you told me. And all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering the money on prostitutes, you celebrate him by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by my side, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. What a powerful story. It demonstrates the gospel. It demonstrates the love of the Father that he has for you and I. The title of tonight's message is The Parable of the Lost Sons. The Parable of the Lost Sons. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you that your presence is in this place. We thank you, God, that you can move in and through this service. God, begin to do surgery on hearts tonight. We ask right now that you begin to transform us, God, from the inside out like only you can do. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, make your way in this service. Begin to heal and begin to return people, return your children back to you. We thank you, Jesus, that all you're going to do, in Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you say amen? Amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Turn to your neighbor and say, the parable of the lost sons. In the Bible, this parable is titled, the parable of the lost son. And what we do, what we can find in this scripture is three very key characters in this story. And what I would like to do, I'd like to just kind of go through each one of these characters, and I would love to pull out the, the, uh, the blues clues and the, the takeaways you and I can apply to our life. And first we have the prodigal son. And prodigal actually means wasteful and extravagant. I, I always kind of thought prodigal just meant wasteful. But prodigal actually means wasteful and extravagant. The prodigal son had everything he needed at home. He didn't grow up in a, a family that was just middle class, but his father, we read, actually had hired servants. That his, I, I, We can only imagine that his family was doing so well that he was able to take a third of everything that belonged to the family, his inheritance, and leave and the family was still able to sustain everything they had. So he had everything he needed at home. He was a person who was well off. And if, if we're going to label him anything, one thing that kind of came to my mind, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, the prodigal was the true definition of bad and bougie. He was rebellious but the man was rich. He, was, he, was spo he had everything he needed. He was bad, and he was a little bougie. The next character we have is the, the older brother. The older brother who stayed back and worked the father's house, who never left, who was loyal, 
who was who stuck around through all the pain, who, if anything, picked up some of the extra work his little brother left him with. But the 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 older brother, even though was in the house of the father, he did not carry the heart of the father. You see, the older brother was loyal and spoiled. The older brother was loyal to his father, but yet he did not demonstrate the characteristics that his father obviously showed to his younger brother. So we're going to get a little bit deeper into him in a little bit. And then lastly, we have the father. The father who so evidently shows us the amazing grace that our heavenly father shows us today. The father who was able to see past the actions and mistakes of a prodigal and look and see the potential of his son, knowing that if he embraced him and welcomed him home, that he always had a place in his house, that there was nothing he could do to, to, to not come back to his home. You see, the father very much represents the beauty of the heavenly father that we know today. You see, we find the very beauty of the gospel demonstrated in the chaos of this family. So that should be an encouragement right off the back. If you feel like your family is chaotic, all you got to do is read the Bible and you'll find out there's a long line and you're not alone. I, actually, if, I, if you read the Bible, I don't know if I can find one perfect family in the Bible. And we can read through this scripture that God loves to work in the lives of messy people. God actually draws near to the brokenhearted. God actually, he, Jesus was uh, uh, approached because he was spending too much time with people that religious people distanced themselves from. You see, so that's what we see in this story. But I want us to go a little bit deeper into the story and, and find some takeaways that you and I can apply to our walk with Christ. And I believe that no matter where you are on your faith journey, maybe this is your first time in a service trying to start 2024 off on the right foot. Or maybe this is your hundredth time in a church. I truly believe that God will speak to you through this story and we'll be able to grab some takeaways that will transform us from the inside out to look a little bit more like the father. So looking back at the prodigal, the wasteful one, the one who stepped away from the father, the one who tried to find his identity in all the wrong things. You see, I don't know about you, but I feel like I can identify with the prodigal all too well. I feel like there's always, there's, uh, there, at some point in our life, there comes a point where we try to distance ourselves from what we may know or think is right to try to find identity in what the world says is right. You see, the father is at home with every resource this son could possibly need. Every need he has is taken care of. And we find a young boy who runs off to try to find a life in his own. He, he, we, we read that he squanders his money on things like prostitutes and all of the things he knows he shouldn't be involved with. And he gets to a point where he's at the end of his rope. He gets to the point where he finds out the hard way that life without the father is much harder than life in the father's house. But yet, why do we, or why, I, I may be speaking for myself, why do we find ourselves relating with the prodigal son? You see, what I love about the story of the prodigal son is that it shows that God's grace 
is more powerful, that his love is, is, it covers a multitude of sins, that no matter how far you run, that all you have to do is take one step toward the Father, and he comes running after you. God's grace is seen through the life of the Father. You see, at one point or another, I feel like we can all put ourselves in the shoes of the prodigal. And, and what the enemy loves to do to people who distance themselves from God is trap them. We, and we can find out real quick what the prodigal was dealing with when he was distant and far off from where he knew he was supposed to be. And what the enemy does is once we distance ourselves from God, he makes us think that we get to a point of no return. He makes us, he, he, he tries to throw things on us like guilt, shame, and condemnation that we see ourselves so far from God that we refuse to take one step toward him. Why? Because the enemy knows if we take one step back to the Father that we're able to walk away from guilt and into forgiveness. We're able to walk away from shame and into everything God has for us. We're able to walk away from condemnation and walk into complete wholeness when we step into the presence of the Father. You see, taking a step toward God is sometimes the hardest thing we think we can do, but is all that we need to do. All we need to do, if you feel like you're at the end of your rope, if you feel like you made far too many mistakes, you feel like, oh, well, I, I was in the Father's house, and I, 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 I like to, to lift my hands during worship, but at home I live a certain way, and I don't feel like I'm, I can really be all in with God. You see, you are, might be in a place where the enemy is trying to trap you and say, hey, just stay, just stay comfortable right here in the pigsty. Just stay comfortable right here starving from everything. Stay right here. This is as good as it gets. Yeah, all those other people, God can use them. But you just, just stay right here. The enemy's trap is to keep us stuck where the prodigal was. But I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is so gracious and mighty that all we have to do is step toward him. God, I know I haven't been doing it right, but I'm just going to step toward you. God, I know I may have made some mistakes, but I want to step towards you. You see, we serve of God who wants us to step toward him. But we can't move forward if we are submitting to this lifestyle of sin. We cannot move forward if we choose to stay in the pigsty. If we choose to be stuck and stagnant and think this is as good as it gets, this is as fun as it's going to be, if maybe tomorrow it'll be better, if we choose to stay stuck in the cycle of sin, we cannot move forward into all God has for us to walk in. And my first point is actually that you cannot move forward with God if you are submitted to sin. And I know that may seem very plain and simple, but it's so true. And yet we see so many believers stuck in stagnation because they are submitting to sin. There's a scripture in James 4 that says, therefore submit to God, not sin, but submit to God. Resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You see, the Bible says to resist the devil. Other translations say resist temptation. Not to reason with temptation. Not to reason and compromise with that bad habit. Not to reason and compromise that, man, this is just, this is, this is as good as it gets. God has so much great things kept in his house for you. If you would simply take one step away from that lifestyle into his presence, he's saying, I have everything you will ever need, but you have to submit to me. You see, submission isn't an easy thing. It's not a sexy word. It's not a fun thing. But submission to God is access to the kingdom. Submission to God is access to all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Submission to God opens the way for you to move in a way that only he can provide. Submission to God is the only way to thrive through this life and not just survive. Submission to God is how we resist the enemy. It's how we resist comparison. It's how we resist those thoughts. It's how we resist. Did you know that you don't run from the enemy? When you resist the enemy, he runs from you. You are not a victim. You are a victor in Christ Jesus. The devil knows Jesus already defeated him. He's a defeated foe. All you got to do is remind him where he is. Hey, you are under my foot, and I am walking into everything God has for me. I am a child of the Most High King. I know my place. I am a son of my Father. You see, we have to remind ourselves who we are and whose we are. You are a child of the Most High King. What are we talking about? You're dealing with that temptation that the enemy keeps pecking at you. You've been having that same prayer request for the past 10 years. Remind the enemy who he is. I am a child of the Most High God. You are, you are defeated. My God is undefeated. I have unlimited resources. I, have, I am in my father's house. You see, the prodigal knew if he was going to defeat everything that had been going on in his life, can you imagine the point of starvation that the pig's food looked appetizing? I don't know if you know this, but pigs, they are known for eating everything. They literally eat trash. Pig's food is not scrumptious. But when you get to the end, he got to the end of himself. And he understood this, that this is, this, this is what's appetizing to me. The servants at my father's house have food left over. The servants, not even the children, they have leftovers. What do I look like? Carrying the name of my father, walking around with pigs. The pigs, I can only imagine they're thinking, who's this new pig? Why is he hanging with us so much? He's looking at our food. You see, the sad thing is, that's exactly where sin will take you. The Bible says in Proverbs that like, like a dog returning to its vomit as we return to sin. You see, if we are going to walk 
where the Father, walk with the Father in everything he has for us, all we have to do is put sin behind us, the cross before me. God, I'm going to pursue you no matter what I've been through. I know you have greater things in store for me. We go from glory to glory and strength to strength. It's time for the church to stop walking with the pigs. It's time for the church to start walking in their identity. It's time for the church to know what they carry. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's on the inside of you? Do you know who is on the inside of you? You are a child of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. You can take everything. You can remove anything. I know that I am going on with my Father, and he will be good to me, and he will provide all of my needs. He has everything I need. You see? We have to know the direction we're walking in. We're walking in the direction of the Father. You see, the enemy wants to keep us trapped in that guilt. He wants to keep us trapped in that shame. But we have to remember where we come from. We have to remember the name we carry. Point number two tonight is when you step toward the Father... You walk into every good thing he has for you. When you step toward the Father, you walk into every good thing he has for you. What does that mean? Maybe you're walking through pain in your family. Maybe you're, you're, you feel like marriage is getting, your marriage is getting kind of tough. You know God has a great marriage for you if you choose to walk with him. If you choose to, like we were just singing, put the, the incense, which is prayer, in the morning and the evening. Let his aroma fill the room. When you walk with him, his great, he has great things in his house for you. That sickness that you're carrying, that, that you keep going back to the doctor and you're carrying fear. You're carrying this anxiety, this anxiousness. You know your God heals. Your God can provide a miracle. Your God has every good thing in store in his home. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're walking through poverty. Maybe you feel like you just get, you go from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And get, man, God, I would give if I could give, but I'm just barely making it through. We don't teach a prosperity gospel, but we teach a provisionary gospel that God will provide every need according to his riches and glory. He has every good thing. In his house, the prodigal child, if you will return back to him, you can be bougie again. Not to flex on everybody, but to know that you have everything you need. You were never meant to go without. You were never meant to lack. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God came to give us life and life more abundantly. We are meant to live an abundant life, not a get by and by life, a life where you can say, hey, I am blessed to be a blessing to others. You see, when we have access to the Father, we have every need we need. You see, but the prodigal son thought he would be lucky. He thought he would just be lucky to get hired on as a servant at his father's house. I could imagine him on his way home, finally had the courage to start stepping back toward the direction of his home. 
He's, he's working on his speech to, to have the Father forgive him. He's thinking, oh, man, if, if I can just be hired on, at least, at least I'll have a meal. At least I'll be back in his home, but there's no way he would forgive me. I've sinned against him and against heaven. But what I love about the story of the prodigal son, he stepped into a robe to cover his shame and his mistakes, a robe that covered the pigsty, the dirt, the grime on his body. His father covered him to protect him. He put sandals on his feet from walking so far that the, he put sandals on his feet. He put a ring on his finger to, to, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but to identify a covenant that he had with his father, the relationship that he was a child of this home. He put a covenant back on his hand that you are mine. I purchased you. You are in my bloodline. You can't go too far. Nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God. He put a ring on his finger. He had a feast, the fattest calf, the best meal to, to, to fill his empty stomach. What are the odds that he would be hungry enough to eat what pigs eat? And he gets home to his father, and they give him the fattest pig to eat. They give him the best of the best. You see, God is waiting for us. He's saying, hey, you've been trying to do it on your own far too long. But if you simply follow after me, I have everything waiting for you. You see, he covered his shame. He covered his guilt. And he said, you are welcome back into my home. You see, we can't cross into 2024 with the great things God has in store if we're holding on to the pigsty from 2023. We can't cross over into the land of milk and honey wanting the manna from the Egyptian, what the Egyptians were eating. We can't cross over into the promised land that God has for us. You, I, I'll break it down like this. I don't know who this is for. If you cannot walk into 2024 whole, strong, and well, if you're still holding on to that broken, bitter relationship, you cannot walk in to the freedom, the security that God has for you if you're choosing to hold on to the pigsty. You see, God has everything that you need but it might cause you to let go of what you think you need. It might cause you to let go of some things. It might cause you to walk with some faith and not by some sight. It might cause some, some tears and some heartache, but I'd much rather have to go through some hard times trusting in my God than go in some tough times knowing that I'm doing it on my own. I'd much rather go through some times of, of wondering and worshiping and waiting, knowing that my God will come through. I know he will come through. I've seen it time and time again. You see, we look at the prodigal, and the father wasn't prepared to tell him off when he approached the house. But the, pro the, the, the father was prepared to celebrate his life. He was prepared to throw a party. I feel like so many believers, and I, I've been there, where you feel distant from God. God, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know what happens if I, if I try to come back. I might get a spanking. <laughs> but can I tell you that God is waiting 
to celebrate the lost coming home. And I, I truly believe for the one in the room who's believing their family member or loved one to finally come home and you're ready to celebrate, you're ready to throw the party, can I remind you, you're not their savior, Jesus is. You're not their savior. All you can, we just continue to pray, continue to believe, but just know that Jesus is their savior. And our job is to celebrate on their return. And he is planning to do that. You see, it is not our job to do it all on our own. Sorry. But then we have the other character in the Bible that, does everybody just keep their eyes straight for this one? The older brother. And I, I, we, we talk a lot about the younger brother, the prodigal, and God rejoices on his return, but we don't always talk about the older brother. And I feel like Jesus was speak, speaking to a specific group of people when he was talking about, when he mentions the older brother. You see, the older brother was the one who was in the father's house. He stayed. He worked. He was present. He was near this father all the time. But yet he did not have the heart the father had. You see, he had the work ethic of the father, but he did not have the work in his heart from the father. He was close to the father. He was in church. He served every other Sunday. And it made him think, oh, whoa, you're going you're gonna to celebrate the lost guy? And I feel like there's some people in, in not us, you know what I mean? But there are some people who we can get self-righteous. We can think it's our good works that saved us. I, 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 I've been in church 27 years. I'm supposed to be here. What, what is that guy doing in the front with his arms raised? Didn't you see what he posted on Facebook? Didn't you see who he was hanging out with? You see, we lose the heart of the Father when we focus on the sin and behavior of man. It is not our job to judge. It is our job to celebrate the lost coming home. It is our job to love. You see, I feel like this is speaking to some of us as well because there are plenty of other religions that says, hey, come to church on Sunday, Monday through Saturday, live however you want, come back Sunday, say this prayer, and then Monday through Saturday, go and do what you want. You see, you get stuck in a cycle of sin when you think it's works that saves you, when you think it's church attendance that saves you, when you think it's, it's serving, which is amazing, that saves you. It's not. It is only by the grace of God. It is only by the grace of God. The Bible says that our righteousness and good deeds are like filthy rags to God. Who are we to think that we, man, I, I'm, I'm at church 645. I'm there till 230. It is, that, that's amazing, and I, we love that. But that is not what keeps us in good standing with the Father. It keeps us with a bitter, it can keep us bitter from celebrating those who come in 
for the first time. You see, we are here to love people. Well, on the wall right there, we are here to see people grow for crying out loud. We are here to see people, lives transformed. I am thankful that Jesus came and set me free. And if it wasn't for people who said, hey, we're glad you're here. You're wearing all the wrong clothes and, it, and you smell a little bit funky, but we're glad you're here because we know if Jesus can get in your heart, he will begin to transform you from the inside out. You see, that's the heart posture. We have to have as the church it's time for us to stop pointing fingers at people who don't look how we look or think how we think I love what we say here at Riverside when you come in for the first time it's not about what you wear you don't have to compare to the person on your left and your right all you have to do is bring your best praise because we know if Jesus is in your heart he will begin to transform what's going on on the outside it's not about your to it's not about your works it is about our hearts and if we're going to look like the father we have to have the heart of him worship team you can come up and join me first corinthians chapter 13 possibly another famous verse or maybe a brand new verse and i hope it is to some of you but this is a verse that stands out more than normal to me during the scripture. When I was in Bible school, we had to memorize the scripture. Pastor CJ knows. We had to memorize the scripture. And, I, and uh, as I was researching for this sermon, I felt, I felt convicted because I had it memorized, but was I living it? I had it memorized, but was it in my heart? So this is what it says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but don't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and, and, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see, it's not the work that we do that makes us look like the Father. It's the love that we show to one another. What did Jesus tell the disciples? He asked, what is the greatest commandment? Is it not to lie, not to murder, not to commit adultery? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your brother and your sister as yourself. You see, it is love that transforms people's life. It is the love of Jesus that covers a multitude of sin. And that's how we look like our Father when we're able to love like he loves with a, a reckless, a, a, a embarrassing love, a prodigal son dirty, homeless, worthless. The world looked at him and saw somebody who was worthless. The father saw him and saw someone with future potential. The world looked at him and saw somebody who wasted their entire inheritance. The father saw his son who was finally returning. The world looked at him and said there's nothing he could ever be to be great. But the father said, get the fat and calf, we're about to party. My son was lost, but now he's alive. 
I want to be somebody who celebrates the return of people crossing over. Now, I believe I was praying and I believe that this message was for one or two, one of two people. Maybe you're feeling lost. Maybe you feel distant from the Father. Maybe you're ready to take your step. Maybe you're ready to take off running to God. Maybe you feel like this message was tugging at your heart and you feel like 2024 is your year. I'm tired of dealing with what all that mess. I'm tired of, of in and out with Jesus. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I just want to go back to the Father. And then there's another group who says, I just want to love like him. I've been in church a long time, but I need to remember to have the heart of the Father. We're going to have a prayer moment here in a moment, but I just want that to be on your heart. I want you to respond to the Father here in a moment, but I just believe that Jesus is in this room and he's waiting for the response of his children. Can you stand to your feet with me? Getting ready to close. You see, if we want to look like the Father, we have to stay close to the heart of the Father. And that doesn't come by just having church on Sunday. That comes by having church every day in your home. Filling the atmosphere with prayer. Casting your cares on him. If you could, can you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, right now I just take a moment and we pray for the lost one. We pray for the one who feels distant. God, it may have been a hard step just to step into this service. Maybe they're giving you a, a, another chance, God. God, we just pray right now that let them see what you see. God, remind them that your arms are open wide and you are in the runner's position ready to take off toward them as they step toward you. As they, 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 they feel they're tired of messing with the, the mess and the dirtiness of life and they're ready to step into the arms of the Father God right now, I just pray right now that you cover them with a hedge of protection in every area of their life. Right now in your own way, if you feel like that's for you, begin to say the sinner's prayer that you believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we believe that you will be set free and saved and delivered. If that's for you, go ahead and pray that prayer. God, I repent. God, I'm turning back. God, my heart is yours. I'm going into this new year with the presence of my Father. I'm turning back from everything that was. I'm crossing into everything that is with him. We thank you, Jesus, right now for covering this room, lifting every burden covering every family, removing judgmental mindsets and pharisaical mindsets and religious mindsets, God, and just pouring your love in this place. God, let Riverside be a home that is known for its love, known for being just like the Father, God. We thank you right now that you are just ministering to us right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in every area of our lives, God. We don't want to be stuck in the old. We want to walk into the new with you. 
We thank you for doing it, God. We thank you for doing it. Let's worship him. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit riversidechurchtx.com.